Boop, 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 boop. Boop. Hello and welcome to, to We Like, like stuff, stuff and So Should You. Um, a show where we talk about stuff um, that we like. I was just going to end it there because it is a show. Oh. <clears throat> I thought you were wanting me to... Nope. It's fine. It's just... Sure, sure, I get it. Now, like... Now we're in this awkward spot. Should we even do the show? That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say that now our show is uh, singular. We we do one thing on the show. Where if it's just a show, I could have done anything. Oh, good point. Good point. Well, I mean, now that I've set up a precedence, I guess we gotta say stuff we like. I suppose so. Shall we start with a little like, sure. perhaps? Um, after we introduce ourselves, I'm Brenny. I'm Melissa. <laughs> Stop. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. You don't have any little likes today? I'm just thinking about it. Well, uh, this morning I'm, I was actually unprepared. As usually, I'm the one thinking about stuff, but I just got up and just sat down and did nothing. Oh, you were buying turnips. Well, yeah. In the old Animal Crossing world. I suppose a little, like, could... No, that, that would be a big thing. That's what I'm going to talk... Well, no, we've talked about it before. Like, collecting stuff. Yeah. Because you were telling me that spending 23 million bells on turnips just to have a profit of that closer to 100 million is ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, but I like having things. And it doesn't ruin anybody's life for me to be rich in Animal Crossing. So. Yeah, it's true. I I just always feel bad because I only have like 3 million bells. You still haven't paid and, off your last loan. No, I haven't. <laughs> um, I've just been using it. I've been moving stuff around, so I've like occurred a quite a bit of prices from quite a bit of debt from doing that. I still have like a, a decent amount, like around three, two and a half to three million bells. Um, but when someone's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a hundred million," it's like, oh, neat. But also, I don't like buying turnips. It's too stressful, and I don't like putting them places and. Maybe I'll do it next week. But. Yeah, because you always have to store them, and that's that's the issue. You can't put them in your house or anything, unless they're like physically laying about, which I usually do. And as in real life, I have a lot of problems with like organization, and I find that like my inventory is always full, and so then trying to like deal with like all the stuff I have in my like personal inventory right now, and then my house inventory. I have such a hard time with that, so anyway. Yeah, but I, I like having I like having like general security. So if I if it doesn't hurt anybody for me to have more, it's like yeah, let me go get a hundred million bells this week because I can. Yeah. What's what about you? Pardon? What about you? Um, my little like is finishing reading a book. I um haven't read a book while um but when i i used to like in the summertime um especially when i was in school um i used to read so many books in the summer and it was just like such a great feeling 
Um, sometimes it was sad because if you really were enjoying the book, it was hard for it to come to an end. But it's just like a very satisfying feeling to be like, okay, I finished that book. Then you can actually reflect on it as a whole yeah. now that you've finished it. Um, which I always really like that moment to sort of be like, what did I think about that book? Um, which, of course, a book is like quite a big investment. I mean, depending on how long it is and yeah. how how fast you read, but um, it's it's a mental investment to like you know spend the time to read it, and it's always good to like come to the end and just think about what you enjoy, and and then it's also fun because you get to pick your next book. So you that know, sort of like transition is something I've always enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say one thing that I never. I never, I, I do understand, but I've never like fully like embodied myself is not finishing a book because it's about to end. Um, I know a couple people that do that with like graphic novels and other books, but it's like, I, I, I feel like it like with TV shows, like you've done it with TV shows where you don't want to watch uh, like the last couple of episodes of a TV show. And it's like, but I, th- that's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's what I started this for. And like, I went through, I, I don't know if I've talked about this, when uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, it's getting a lot of, uh, like a big resurgence because it came back on Netflix and everyone's re-watching it and then re-watching it for the first time. Um, when I watched that for the first time, the third season, the final season of the, the original series, it had like such a drought of, of new episodes. I don't exactly remember the, the exact time frame, but there were like almost like one episode per month or even longer and I would always go to this website that would like refresh it that like I would go to this website daily checking this website to see when it would come out and yeah it was just I I've because of things like that because I like waited my entire life to watch the what was it the uh, the the boiling rock section there's a two-part episode and I had to wait like months in between each episode when it was like a successive episode it was like no i'm not waiting i don't care i do understand it's just it's just absolutely not for me if i if i had my way i would rip through every piece of media i could (laughs) yeah that's fair sometimes if i like really 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 like something it's just it's really hard for it to come to an end (laughs) i mean i can always watch it again well, and that, that's what I was going to say, too. It's especially too. if it's, like, the first time you're watching it. Um, if I watch something a second time around, I'll just go through it really quick. But obviously, that's because I know it's going to happen. But, yeah. Well, that's how, when we were talking about sad stuff last week, I was, well, when I watched the, uh, what was it, The Sound of Silent? I always mess this up. The Shape of Sound, I think? Shape of Voice? The Shape of Frick. Uh, yeah, when I was watching... I don't know. That's okay. When I was watching that movie... As soon as I finished it, I was like, all right, time to do it again. Because I was just like, yeah, I finished it and I had a good time, but like, I didn't have enough. So it was like, I, I know not a lot of people can do that. And I do understand that too. But for me, it's easier to do something like that rather than just like wait. And I know that was a movie, so that's a little bit different. But, but yeah, I think it's your turn. To go first? I think so. Okay. Um, this week we're actually doing a more traditional format of our show. Because when we ended last week, we were too sad to even think of a new theme. And we haven't really been doing two things each. Yeah. Some days we have, but a lot of the time we've been doing one and then talking about other stuff in between. So. Yeah. 
we're just lazy. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, my first thing is carbonated water. Mm. Brennan doesn't like carbonated water, but it's so I, bitter. I really do. Um, there's this like really simple thing that I really love about. I've been to Europe a few times, and <laughs> uh, one of the best things about going to Europe is that, well, there's a lot of good things, there's a lot of nice things to see, but carbonated water is almost just like, like a staple. Like you have to, if you say you want water, you have to specify what kind of water you want. Really? It's not like here where it's like, oh, I'll just have water and it's just tap water or whatever. There, it's like. You have to say, I want tap water, or I want this type of water. Because if you say, I just want water, they'll say, sparkling or still, every time. Because it's so much more popular there. And sometimes if you just ask for water, they'll bring you sparkling water. Does sparkling water cost, like, anything there? Yeah. Well, damn! It does. But it's just, more people drink it. So it's, like, more of, like, a staple of... Like, I'm going to drink sparkling water. I mean, most of that is more like the mineral type of sparkling water, I'd say, like from springs rather than mm-hmm. the like artificial carbonated water. Um, but I like either, so it's all good. Um, but it's just like a really simple thing about going there that's like, yes, I can have carbonated water every time I go to sit down somewhere. I can do that here too. But it's not like an expectation. It's like there. It's like this is your option. And yeah, you can always have it there. Whereas here, you have to just buy it yourself. Whoops. Um. Yeah. So I did some research about carbonated water. Um. And the first thing that I came across when I was looking stuff up about it was: Is carbonated water healthy for you versus regular water? Turns out it is. Health, more healthy? No, okay. it's just like the same. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> well, I mean, there's no evidence that carbonated or sparkling water is bad for you, which I guess people have questioned whether or not it's bad for you. Um, um, of course, like if you get sparkling water or like tonic water or something like that, then you have to watch out for like sugar and salt content. Because, tonic water is pretty bad for that, yeah, right? Yeah, tonic water has a lot of sugar. Um, but yeah, you just have to be careful about that. But most sparkling or carbonated waters that you have, if it's just like plain, then it's mostly just the water, the carbon dioxide bubbles, and then um, minerals, sometimes salt to like keep the form, but it's usually not that much. Um, and on this article, which is from Global News, um, there was a few myths about carbonated water that they decided to bust. Um, I had never heard about any of these myths before, so I thought I would say them. Debunk them immediately. Eh? Yeah. Um, the first one is that carbonated water isn't as hydrating as regular water. Um, and that's not correct. The only difference is the added carbonation. Um, there has been tests where researchers have compared the urine output of test subjects after drinking still water um, and one of several commonly consumed beverages, including milk, cola, diet cola, hot tea, iced tea, coffee, lager, orange juice, and sparkling water. 
and a difference in total urine masses was only smaller in those who drank milk. Why? I don't know. So I guess all those other, based on that study, it can be assumed that those other beverages are still hydrating you um, to some degree. Yeah. Um, the next one is, um... Yeah, so another thing that I will just mention is that um, scientists at a research institute for child nutrition found that children and teens are more apt to drink carbonated water. So actually, if they were going to drink anything, giving them Uh, carbonated water is also, this is just a different study, better for hydrating kids because it's like... So so my thing has always been carbonated water has always just been bitter. Isn't it like just a little bit bitter? I don't think it's bitter. No? I don't know what it is. I don't know why I hate carbonated water so much. Because clearly everybody likes it. Tristan likes it. You like it. It's just, I don't... Like, even the flavor... Because you get bubbly a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It just seems like the... It, 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 it tastes like someone farted in my drink. <laughs> like, whatever flavor it's supposed to be. That's the carbon dioxide. <laughs> <laughs> but it just... it Like, the flavor... It feels like I... It feels like I'm... Like, I, I'm remembering the, the taste that I ate last week. And then it's bubbly. And it's just so confusing. Oh. Like, that's it's... It, that's why it's never... That's why I've never enjoyed it. I didn't used to like carbonated water. And then just... There was a point when I was like, this is wonderful <laughs> i'm telling you i was telling my mom yesterday too that you know as you get older i'm pretty sure i have to look this up and it's not important right now but i'm pretty sure that just as you get older your taste your tastes and your senses just dull so you can just accept bad things mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure carbonated water is just bad but apparently kids like it so i don't yeah. know where i am anymore oh no <laughs> <laughs> well it's like a good um alternative to like other fizzy drinks that you might enjoy that has less sugar and yeah salt um but the second myth is that carbonated water erodes tooth enamel which is not true yeah that seems like a like what who <sighs> yeah carbonated water doesn't have the same effect as like other sugary sugary yeah. beverages which have acid which are acidy so those can erode but it's not the same um, and the third myth is that carbonated water causes osteoporosis. Um, and that is also not true. Um, yeah, again, I feel like a lot of this stuff is like related to drinking the sweet sort of carbonated drinks like pop or yeah. soda. It's like those beverages have these effects but not the carbonated water itself. But it sounds like these people didn't do their research. They're like, this water is carbonated. It must be as terrible as every, like, soft drink out there. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, The fourth and final myth on this article is carbonated water causes constipation, which, um, because people think that added carbonation could have a gastrointestinal effect. And, however, that is not true. And, also, researchers in Italy had test subjects consume carbonated water for tap and tap water over a two-week period and found um, improved system um, symptoms of dice p- p- what's this uh, dyspepsia sounds like it's you sounds like that you could pronounce it correctly but who knows it's just um, 
feeling full after eating like a small amount of food. So I guess like it's better for like it eating just, less. Yeah, because there's like the carbonation, the bubbles that yeah. make you feel full. Makes sense. And actually less constipation. So and they had improved gallbladder function versus those who drank tap water. So those are some weird facts. But um yeah. And the last thing I wanted to talk about quickly, if I can. Yeah, go for it. Why not? Um is the history of carbonated water. Oh, I can't wait. Because I, um, I don't, I don't, I'm really confused as to how they just force bubbles into water right now. Yeah. <laughs> so how did they do that before? Um, basically, it was developed. There's a couple of people who developed it, but the person who is like most known for it is a guy named Joseph Priestley. Um, he was born in England and he just became interested in um, science and he was a um, a minister in the church but he became more and more interested in um, science and then um, he by luck sort of got even though he was doing this minister career he was able to start a career in science as well uh, that was a really horrible explanation but um Priestley's home in Leeds where he lived happened to be next to a brewery which gave off plenty of vapors he became interested in those airs as he called them particularly in one that was responsible for the bubbles in beer this fixed air he recognized um, as the same gas that made certain naturally occurring spring waters effervescent. So Effervescent. What a good description. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you all already have natural spring waters, which are bubbly, right? Yeah. So, this is the actual construction of it. Um, health reports in Europe were serving such... Um, health resorts, sorry, in Europe were serving such fizzy waters as um, supposed cures for various illnesses, and Priestley um, began to wonder whether or not he could somehow have an artificial fizz added to it. Um, so he could make this sort of healthy water yeah. himself. Um, Joseph Black was another person who had already shown that fixed air could be produced by the action of acids on marble. So Priestley combined sulfuric acid and chalk to form carbon dioxide. Although he, um, of course, did not recognize it as that gas particularly. Yeah. He just was like, ah, oh, gas. He collected the <laughs> gas in a pig's bladder and found a way to use it to carbonate water. Um, he was rewarded the Royal Society's prestigious Copley Medal for his publication on... This is what he called his publication. Okay. On directions for impregnating water with fixed air. He... Well, yeah. So the problem with science. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, soda water, as the fizzy stuff was called, became very popular. Um, it was taken along o- ocean voyages because it tasted better than the usual stored stagnant water, and it also developed a false reputation as a preventative against scurvy and other diseases. Um, soda water was actually sold in apothecary shops as well. Um, but. Soon after that, John Newth, a Scottish physician, complained that the use of a pig bladder imparted an off flavor to the water, and to solve the problem, he developed a glass apparatus for carbonating water. This found widespread use in shops and homes, and after that, 
the soda became really popular. And that is from an article called The Origins of Soda Water from McGill University. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting that he was like, lived near a brewery, and he was like, I really find the bubbles in beer interesting, and also the sparkling water that comes out naturally so trying to figure out a way to create that and you can even see like right from the beginning it already had these like myths associated with it yeah which is such weird. like a weird human thing to just be like yeah it's on a ship now so it must cure scurvy like i don't know how yeah. those strings were drawn but um yeah well just i i feel like i feel like having anything new and exciting is just like oh what could it do what what weird contraption is this? Yeah. And I mean, it did, like, actual sparkling water um, does have, or, like, was believed to have, like, all of these beneficial things for people yeah. to heal them. But, I mean, that spring water also has, like, the natural has, like, a lot of minerals and stuff in it. So, it could be different. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's, like, a transference of that like carbonated water is like spring water so yeah yeah anyway that's my thing yeah uh my first thing um actually what what's the time we have um unfortunately for us we decided to order food so there's gonna cool there's gonna be a point where this show just cuts and then it'll resume and we'll pretend like nothing happened yeah we didn't even have to say it no, they're going to hear the big noise. Mm-mm. The big noise is loud. Not if they text me, but they're here. <laughs> so my first thing uh, is fairly simple. It's uh, taking pictures. Uh, I feel like I've uh, really lapsed on such a like a, a really well-loved pastime of mine that I used to like employ so heavily. Uh, and I just feel like, as I went back to school especially, I feel like I've just had less time. Because uh, I've, oh god, I've, been, I've went back to Trent like four, this, this, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Jeez, jeez, jeez Louise. Um, so yeah, I can't remember why. It must have been, just to, just to continue on this stupid joke, it must have been what I wanted to be quirky. Oh, yes. yes. The uh, classic quirky Brendan tropes. <laughs> him going to the bookstore and finding a random book that will enlighten him, plus the taking of the pictures. Well, so, yeah, I, I had a friend, that, and they, like, they were the embodiment to, like, to me, they were the embodiment of being, like, quirky and weird, and I was like, that's a little too much. But I like some of the things that you're doing, so I'm going to borrow them. And one of them was, like, taking pictures and stuff. So I was like, okay. Uh, and they weren't, like, super into it, but I think I think they had, like, a film camera. And I was like, okay. And then I, I kept asking them about it, and they told me about this uh, Diana. Um, so there is a, a film camera that you can get. It's called the, the Diana um, camera, I guess. Uh, but the one that I got was called the Diana Mini. Um, it's, a, it's from a company called Lomography, um, and it has, like, L- Lomography itself, it has, like, its own, like, history and stuff. So the Diana Mini, it's, it's this very small, uh, film camera. You need to load it with, uh, 35mm film. Um, 
and it, it so the, the 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 website itself the diana mini shoots 35 millimeter film and produces dreamy lo-fi shots the camera lets you choose between half frame and square frame shots it also let, features a bulb mode function which allows you to take long exposures and crazy light streaks which is like the classic like 17 to 25 year old having fun and not knowing exactly what they're doing with film unless they do know what they're doing and then they can take it even further um yeah when i first met brendan i like sort of before we were dating like the first time we hung out it was like yes brendan is the guy who carries around a camera a film camera and takes photos of people but only takes photos of you when you don't know you're gonna have a photo taken. Yeah, because the di- so the best part about the Diana Mini was that it was very small, um, and even when I needed to have the flash on it, um, it was still like I can basically attach the flash and prime the camera behind my back. Um, so nobody knew that they were getting their picture taken, and then as soon as I took the first picture, it was like, well, now this is a fun thing, and you know what's happening. Um, but yeah, so when I first started taking pictures, I would just. I would go around and like flash, uh, well, flash pictures of uh, basically anyone I could that were my friends, really, uh, not strangers, because that's very probably weird and maybe illegal. Who knows? Um, and yeah, and it was just a very fun thing to do, especially with film, uh, like to not know. And I, like that's how uh, I feel like Lomography advertises their own stuff uh, nowadays anyways where it's like yeah it's film it is exciting you don't know what you're getting until you develop it um, and I did this for like years and my room my bedroom in my, uh, my parents house or my mom's house um, just the walls are covered with photos that I would take um, and it was always kind of uh, a little annoying because there was a couple times I went to get the film developed and the the people developing the film like couldn't figure out how to do it. So uh, the Diana Mini it does take square shots. So when you develop film, it's usually like a whatever what like two by four. What is the ratio of like a regular piece of film like a like a photo? I don't know. Whatever that ratio is, it would just be a square instead of like that rectangle. Um, so whenever like normal people develop the film, they would develop it so that the square was just inside that rectangle and you'd have just black bars, which makes sense. And then you had people that developed it so that the rectangle was basically like um, vertical and you'd have to put two rectangles together overlapping to create the square and it was just insane and I was very upset I don't know if you've seen that in my room where some of the pictures are like overlapping and like they're too big it was just wild um, but yeah it was really fun it was very exciting the the quality was kind of like exactly like uh, like uh, exactly how it was described and I don't like like yeah. like assuming I don't like agreeing I- with that like like oh it's dreamy and lo-fi and all hipster and all the but it was like yes it was and it was very cool and i liked it so sue me or something i don't know i hate i've I've never liked that phrase sue me yeah it's so stupid yeah that's fair i think um 
one of my favorite things about cameras like that is that kind of as you said that you just capture all these moments and usually like you bring this to things when you're hanging like as Brenda said like you're hanging out with your friends or, like you're doing something that's fun then you capture all these moments that normally you wouldn't capture yeah and then you forget about them and then you develop it and you're like oh these are really nice memories that I have now um and also, sometimes it's really fun because pictures turn out, like, way better than you thought. Sometimes they're really bad. But in the whole, on the whole, you have these, like, <laughs> you have these really great memories to, like, look back on that are physical yeah. um, instead of digital, which, again, you could talk about physical versus digital media all day long. There's nothing wrong with digital, but there's something, again, it has to do with collecting, it has to do with, like, having security. There's something about holding your memories rather than anything of that nature. So, like, yeah, having the physical images, like, I still have a whole stack of, um, uh, of, like, just bad pictures kind of just sitting in the closet because I kind of wanted to do something with them and then I just didn't because that's life. Um, but yeah, um, the Diana Mini, like, some of the things you could do, because you ha- you'd have to wind the film, and it would, like, let you know when to stop for the next section of the film. However, um, you would also, like, there's been a lot of times where I accidentally double exposed a shot, and I got some of my best pictures by accidentally doing it. I never did it on purpose well. It was always an accident when I got, like, a really cool shot. There's one shot that I got, um... I can't remember what Matt was, like, freaking out about, but we were hanging out in Toronto, we were walking down a street, and he, like, saw something, turned around and freaked out, and I took a picture of that, because it was like, of course, why wouldn't I? But I guess I didn't, like, wind it properly, so it's that image of him, like, freaking out, hands on his head, like, uh, um, but he's, like, faded against, like, just a regular street in Toronto, and it just looks so cool. And it's not even like, oh, look how... Like, I'm, I'm not being artsy about it. It just looks cool. I don't know how to be artsy or how to be, like, specifically good at creating, like, I don't know, like, a visual story. It's like, that's cool. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, like, so after having my day in a mini, um, the cost of producing the photos, I did the math, and it was basically the same cost as buying Polaroid. And it was like, well... Instead of waiting for like a week and having to go somewhere to do it, I'd rather just buy Polaroid and and kind of and kind of just do it myself. It's the same thing. So then yeah, I I got uh what was the what was the thing Instax Mini? Mm-hmm. It's like the it's it's the most common Polaroid thing that you can find now. So I got that instead, and then I started doing that, and now our apartment is just covered in photos. And again, like in group events and things like that I'm still known for that and it's still very exciting and then I got now I have been joined in that because I always thought it was really fun that Brendan did that um mostly because I find that like anytime I hung out with my friends or anything like I would never think to take a photo like on my phone yeah because I just don't think of that so now once I started bringing the Polaroid to events it'd be like someone sitting or like laughing like really naturally and just like snapping a photo of them and sometimes you get these really amazing shots and sometimes they're pretty bad um 
And like, but that, either way, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, either way, it's just like a nice thing. So yeah, Brendan and I literally have a wall covered with all of these different photos that we've both taken because we both have the Polaroid cameras now. Um, and it's just like so fun to look at a wall that's like basically wallpapered with pictures um and they're all from like different things that we've done like different parties or different events or like just going home yeah and like i started taking it like to just random things that we were doing like one year we went to the trail fair at like trent university trail college is putting on and there's like a bouncy castle there so one of my favorite polaroids is aaron and i like about to jump into the bouncy castle um there's just like so many fun little ones i brought it to hillside when i went um i bring it every year i go but last year when i brought it i got a picture um of orville peck that is one of the most beautiful polaroid pictures i've ever taken yeah that, that was absolutely nuts yeah it's just there's the um, sunset in the background and it's just Orville Peck standing there Um, and I was like hey can I take your photo because this is just really a nice moment and he was like sure Um, so I took his photo and yeah it's the best Polaroid I've ever taken. Wasn't he like super jealous of it too? He was like I've can I well I left and then it developed and I was like wow this is the greatest Polaroid I've ever taken and I went back over to him I was like hey I want to show you this because it's really cool (laughs) and he was like wow that's good can I take a picture of that? I was like yeah go for it so he took a picture of it but I don't think his picture was as good and then when we saw him in concert I wanted to bring him the Polaroid and give it to him but then there was never really an opportunity and plus I really like it so I kind of want to keep it well yeah like hopefully hopefully if there's another opportunity um next time because you were mentioning it before to um take a take a new Polaroid and then give him the old one and then Mm -hmm. then you can like slowly become his friend and then just be like hey every time you're in Toronto well, come yeah. let me take a picture. Yep, I mean, I don't know if that would happen, but it's true. It he could. is very nice. He is very nice. Um, but yeah, so I I really, really like the Polaroid tradition. And also, Brendan yeah. and I have a sort of thing that, like, because we both have it and we both do the candid thing, it's sort of like, you know, who will take the other person's photo and it's become almost like a game because like a lot of the times when we when we have events like our own parties or stuff like that our own friends will like if i put the camera down it's become not a game but like they'll be excited to grab my camera and then take a picture of me in that candid moment because it's just it's just a fun thing to do and they're having fun i'm having fun and like and then i get pictures of myself that i don't normally get and it's just amazing yeah, yeah, and our friends really have started to, they, like, know that we do this, obviously. They really lean um, into it. But also, they still get surprised every time I take their photo. It's great, because mm-hmm. there's, like, a big flash on them all the time. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just really fun. And I think just something that I wanted to tack on to that, if that's okay. Yeah, go for um, it. Is one time we had this Halloween party where we did a, um, this was, like, last year. I think no two years ago um and we had a list of basically like we had a photo challenge so it's like you have to take pictures of people doing all of these different things so i was like take a picture of someone laughing take a picture of someone being scared take a picture of someone eating take a picture of someone um 
like we had like really random things on there um, that you'd probably never see someone do, like someone being shocked or something like that. Um, and so some of our friends like really leaned into it and took, I know I'll say it. They took these like amazing photos that were just so silly and fun that weren't like, they were still like digital on their phones. But it was like, we had this collection of photos that my friends kept sending me like things that they took at the party. And I was like, this is so great. And then we never did that again in another one of our parties. But, but it was like, just, yeah. we should keep doing that. Because it was just like a really fun thing. We never actually finished the challenge part of it. We kind of just said, here's a challenge. And then we never really reconciled it. But still, people had fun actually looking for things to take photos of rather than just hanging out, um, which is still really great. But we ended up having all these like silly photos at the end of it, which was just like a really fun fun memories um and just a little side story off of that um one of my friends Zaffer, he really wanted to get all of the pictures yeah he was super into it he which was, was super fun and so i was in the kitchen and he came over and i made these things at the party which were um they're something that I really like to make all the time. They're like rice paper spring rolls with soba noodles. Um, and they're really tasty. And I always serve it with like a peanut satay sauce. Um, and Zaffer came over and he was like, hey, um, is there peanuts in that sauce over there? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, because Tina's allergic, which is his girlfriend, to, to peanuts. She's allergic to peanuts. And I was like... I was so shocked because I was like, I'd never heard of this. And I made this like wild face and he took a picture of me and he was like, just kidding. I just wanted to get the picture of someone being shocked. And anyway, it's still like a really funny picture that we like, um, that we share to each other a lot. Um, cause it's just ridiculous. But, um, it was so good because you yeah. like, you, you I thought really, you committed murder. I really, yeah. <laughs> I really believed it. And also it was like everyone was eating those and then peanut was going to be everywhere. And also Brennan and I eat peanut butter and we use peanuts and a lot of stuff. So like our whole apartment is yeah, just but, death. But like we yeah. also, like no one's, none of our friends have a peanut allergy that's like anaphylactic or like dangerous. Yeah. So the fact that someone would keep that secret as well was like just compounding us. So like yeah. what is happening? <laughs> anyway, it was... After I found that out, I was like, ah, that's really good. That's funny. But he said it so, like, yeah, he just said it. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. You're, you're being truthful there. <laughs> anyway. uh, yeah. What's your second thing? My second thing is puzzle rings. Ooh. Um, I have worn a puzzle ring every day of my life since grade 12. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, which seems really wild, but rings are the one jewelry accessory that I'm obsessed with. To, Mostly. I was just going to say, to be fair, so am I, but I just, I don't look out for rings and I don't find a lot of rings that I really personally enjoy. I love them. Yeah. But usually they're too gaudy or like too nonsense. Anyways, continue. Yeah. So I wear rings every single day. Mostly I just leave them on. Yeah, for an just... infinite amount of time and never take them off. As you should. So, yeah, I've worn a puzzle ring every day, pretty much, um, since grade 12, which is quite a long time. Um, 
It all started when I went on a trip to Italy and Greece um, in grade 12 with the school, and I really was trying to collect souvenirs from every place we went that was something that had like a neat story or something that was like practical for me, but could also help me remember my trip. Mm-hmm. So that was like my goal. Um, and when we went to Florence, they they had all these um, really neat shops and we went to this jeweler shop, which made all of these like silver puzzle rings. Um, and the history behind puzzle rings is a little bit problematic. Bad, yes. Um, <laughs> but basically, um, as the story goes, puzzle rings were invented um, so that soldiers in Italy, when they left their girlfriends, they would propose to them um, before they went to war with a puzzle ring. And then basically, as the thought was, is that if their fiance takes off the puzzle ring, um, presumably to cheat on them, then the ring will fall apart and then they won't be able to put it back together. And Because women like, aren't smart. Yeah, I don't know actually, but like that seems very suspicious. Well, it's just the whole thing that it's like I own you, and I mean, I guess rings, as far as like wedding bands, are sort of like symbols of like I own you sort of thing. But yeah, anyway, it's like even more so of that. Like if you take it off, then you're your infidelity yeah anyway it's a weird history but also it's like you can take off a puzzle ring and it doesn't fall apart like it's not hard to do so yeah um but basically i really liked the like not the history but just (laughs) the puzzle ring itself i thought it was really beautiful um they kind of look like these they have like not like they're like they're like braids the way when, when they're done together yeah, so it's like it looks like a braid sort of thing, um, and then when you wear it, it's like a complete ring with like four bands at the back. But if you play with the bands, they're all disconnected, so it's actually like four thin rings, which through a puzzle are created into the knot formation. Yeah, like they're and, threaded together. Yeah, so you have to bend or like thread, as Brendan said, the rings through each other in a very specific way in order for it to create the ring that's wearable. Um, And there's been a few times, so with that ring that I got in grade 12, there was actually a period when we were on that trip that I was wearing it a bunch and then I thought we were on like a three hour long bus ride. I was like, I'm gonna take it apart and try and put it back together. And I literally could not figure out how to put it back together and you committed adultery yes um (laughs) and so then i um didn't wear it for a long time so i guess the fact that i said i wore it every day since grade 12 is sort of a misdirect because that's not entirely true but i did wear it for a while um and then I didn't have that puzzle ring for a long time because I could never figure out how to put it back together. Um, and, like, and it came with instructions. They, they weren't, like, the best because, like... Sorry, continue your yeah. story. I mean, yeah. they It was still really hard. I couldn't figure out how to, like, put stuff together. And also I was afraid of breaking it, so I didn't want to, like, push together. Yeah, because you, you did have to... You didn't force it because it was meant to be that way, but you do have to, like, push it together. Mm-hmm. And then puzzle rings sort of became, like, a special thing between Brennan and I too because he is really really good at puzzles and he could figure it out really easily so he actually was the one who fixed the puzzle ring for me. To be fair I did absolutely look at the 
instructions but then after i like looked at the instructions to make sure i knew what i was doing it was like okay i got this yeah 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 so brennan has fixed my ring a number of times um the previous ring um which was just like really nice and like a nice thing that he would always do so then it became like a little special thing between us um that brennan was sort of the puzzle guy and <laughs> the puzzle, the puzzle man, um, and he always fixed my ring for me. And then a few years ago for my birthday, he got me another puzzle ring. That's just our puzzle ring. Yeah, and I wanted it to be special, so it has like gold and silver in it. Yeah, it's really pretty. Pretty expensive, but I was really excited. Yeah. And then I was like, Hey, Adam, how cool is this ring? And he was like, That's really cool. And I was like, I'm spending the money. <laughs> and he was like, Ah! It was just like, a, yeah, we were both excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a beautiful ring. And again, I wear it every day now, so I never take it off um, unless I'm doing something. Yeah. Yep. Like one time I took it off when I was going on a plane and I was going through the scanners because I wanted to take off. I thought gold and silver wouldn't set off. It's fine. It's I was fine. like, I'm always really nervous when I go through a high security situation like that. Not because I'm doing anything wrong, I but because I always think I'm doing something wrong. And so anyway, I was like, I'm going to take it off. But then it went through the belts and it just jiggled it apart. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't wear it that entire vacation, which is sad. Then the next time I went, I just left it on. And I went through this. Lo and behold. And it was fine. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. Puzzle ring. Cool. Um, so my second thing, uh, one of my favorite things um, that I've been really getting into, this is, it, it's, it's just like a small thing. Uh, sorry, small story about it. Um, I found like a lot of, there are so many good just mangas that exist. Um, and usually I wait for like animated series to be made or anything like that and I just like I, I miss out because I'm waiting for so long and sometimes like there's never plans to do with something animated or like to properly come to uh, like international instead of just Japanese um, so every once in a while I'll like remember about something and then absolutely dive headfirst into like reading it online or anything like that um, and this one manga it's called uh, Dungeon Meshi, which translates basically into Delicious in Dungeon. It's a Japanese fantasy comedy seinen uh, manga, which I don't know what the word seinen means. Um, uh, oh, okay, that's very specific. Um, they Those are manga marketed towards young adult men. I don't know. I just thought it was young adult, hopefully. I don't know why it's specifically men. It is not like a weird sex thing. If that stop looking at me like that, <laughs> you know I've showed this to you. It's very cool. Um, so yeah, it it has it has license in Amer in North America. So like I can get it physically, and I do want to. Uh, but there's nine volumes, and things are expensive, so I can wait. Um, but yeah, it's just th this manga d just did a really good job at creating like a really vast and, and in-depth world without doing very much. Um, it's kind of how I feel. I'm not sure if we talked about, um... Whoa, no, where'd they go? Yeah, it, 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 I'm not sure if we talked about Saga. We have not talked about Saga. Which, I'll just touch on it, that, like, Saga is a graphic novel that, that created 
the one of the richest like universes I've ever seen without telling you anything about it. It's so effortless. It's just like yeah. it's just people exist in it and you just have to figure it out from what they do and what they can do and what they can't do and what and how and, and, they work around it. And and you do though. Like like yeah. it, it is easy enough to get into. Um, and it's not the same caliber. I, I don't, I'm not like a huge like uh, comic critic to really figure that out. I haven't like sat down with both of them. But I felt the same way with uh, with uh, Dungeon Meshi or Delicious in Dungeon. So the plot, uh, I'll just kind of uh, read the synopsis of the plot a little bit. So in a, in a fantasy world of dungeon exploration, guilds go out on expeditions to raid dungeons, hoping to find the mysterious golden kingdom claimed to be the treasure of a certain island dungeon. The story starts with a failed mission where six members of a team try to take on a dragon, but end up escaping at the cost of losing a member to the, uh, to the dragon's stomach. Um, and it really, it opens with that scene, and it was very, like... It was very jarring to kind of see that you you there's so much emotion shown in like the first couple of pages where you see um, one of the main characters uh, sister uh, push the main character out or, or like one of them uh, and then you just see her being like hey it, it's okay and then she like the mouth closes and they get like launched back uh, because this dragon wants to do other stuff spooky um after this, two team members join uh, leave to join another team, leaving only um, Laos. It's spelled L A I O S. L A I O S. Yeah, um, a human swordsman, uh, Chilchuk, a halfling locksmith, or um, clear, absolutely a rogue, or you know, uh, and uh, Marcel, an elven spellcaster, to grieve over Laos's sister fa- uh, Fallen, uh, or Phelan, a human spellcaster. Feeling indebted to their close teammate, Phelan, uh, he used magic to teleport the team outside to safety. And that's, that was like, it, it was just, it was, it was chaos and it was insane and it was very upsetting. Um, they try to like brainstorm how to get back in there. Um, they, they, they like basically lost all their equipment though. They didn't really have much. They were kind of thinking about like, oh, if, if we sell, if I sell all my armor and weapons, I can get at least supplies enough to go down there. And then within the dungeon, maybe I can like survive and figure it out. And the other two, Chilchuk and, and uh, Marcel, uh, were like, you're insane. Like, don't do that. Chilchuk was always a little like, this is like, don't be stupid. Like, let's not throw our lives away. Um, but Laos was always like, no, I have to. Like, um, So the way the dungeon is kind of set up, um, if you die in the dungeon and everything like that, like, you're so soul like specifically in the dungeon your soul kind of like lingers um and you can turn into a ghost and things like that and it can become really bad if people wait too long Uh, but you can essentially be revived but because uh was eaten she wasn't necessarily dead and she was she was inside this dragon which kind of like limits the ability like you have to go kill the dragon and, and pour out the stomach in order to revive her it's like a whole thing um so yeah, they, they brainstorm to try and figure out how to get back to the dungeon, uh, the, the sorry, the, the level in the dungeon uh, with the dragon in time uh, before she actually gets digested and then they have nothing to really like recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I was talking about, uh, the team members consider the cost of weapons, defense, recruitment fees if, fees if they need more people to go with them, and food. 
Uh, the majority of their supplies left behind in the dungeon, their mission seems impossible, until Laos uh, suggests they sustain themselves by finding food inside the dungeon. Uh, Laos secretly has wanted to eat dungeon monsters for a really long time, and then there's this whole moment where he's just so excited, he pulls out like this monster recipe book, and he's like, oh, we can just eat all the things, and everybody's like, are you insane? You want to eat all these disgusting, like, and, and it, it was just, and that's where, like, the comedy kind of, like, brings in, because every, every heavy encounter that they have is always offset by the fact that Laos is, like, they, they, they want to eat monsters. Yeah, like, they kill a mimic, or, like, they do all these things, and he's just like, what yeah. can we do with this? How can I prepare this? It's also, like, if you know what monsters look like, in a lot of these things, because it seems like there's a lot of, like, D&D references. Yeah. Um, they're very horrifying to look at, so it's, like, and especially when they're, like, goopy and, like, got weird colored blood. Just reminds me of that episode in The Witcher also, when they kill that, like, creature, that, like, night guy kills the creature when they're trying to find the dragons. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then he, like, eats it and, like, gets really sick yeah um i would also be really worried about that like well so so the way the way they cut like there's like full-on recipes and if you replace obviously the monsters with like real like meats and vegetables it's like these are full-on recipes and they're like they actually look really good um one of my favorites was their like the mimics the mimic like mimics are typically monsters that hide in mundane objects like chests and drawers and things when you try to open them they like come out and like grab you and just like destroy you um and it's very terrifying but in like these dungeons the mimics are basically like hermit crabs because they're creatures that inhabit other objects so that's how they kind of reference that so when they find a mimic and they have troubles with it but then they eventually kill it they make like a seafood thing out of it because that's basically what it's like it it, it seems kind of weird and gross but it was it was so cool to kind of like to think about um, the first floor of the dungeon is filled with adventurers and is like a market and that's where the team meets and joins senshi a dwarf who has 10 years of experience sustaining himself from the dungeon specifically so it's like a, like the like like made in heaven uh, meeting where laos and senshi met and they were like oh my god this is amazing um then the story then details their travels through the dungeons, the environments, traps, monsters they encounter, and the meals they create. The pros and cons of these meals, uh, characters' reactions to them, provide the running gag. And it's just... Like, there was one... I was always explaining this comic to, like, Melissa and my other friends, and I was like, this is so fun, this is so, like, cute, and, like, we play a lot of D&D, so it's like, like, I really feel a lot for this, this comic. Um... And because there's, like, the, the D&D kind of fantasy in it, um, there is magic, like, there is legitimate magic to, like, heal yourself. Or, like, you know, if you if you get lacerated so badly, like, you're bleeding out, magic can't put all the blood back, basically. Or, like, reheal a, a, a lost limb if it's within time. Um, and there's just, like, very severe moments where, um, like, all the jokes stop. And it's just, like... It, everything does get serious because like not to be capitalistic about it if you don't have enough money and you die down there it's like that's it or if you die down there and somebody comes and finds you and heals you uh, it's like very exciting but then they're like pay us you like you owe us you have to and then you might have to give like your equipment and material and you might be like stuck down there so like what's yeah. better almost it is interesting that they have sort of a whole system and society built around the dungeon 
um, which has its own like things rules and stuff about it. I'm I'm not sure if the rules are exclusive to the dungeon or that's just how the world is, but like that's how like right before you enter the dungeon there is like a resurrection. Uh, like a uh, counter where you can go like hey um i'm pretty sure my friend died here um how much to get them back and depending on how far they are um they can just be resurrected for like uh, an unfortunately like obscene amount of gold because that's how resurrection works but it's like yeah there's like a full service for it mm-hmm. um yeah which again like if you're trying to do that in the world more generally it would be like a really difficult thing to coordinate but this is obviously a specific place where people die so you need all the markets for like resurrection for equipment for food for like all that kind of stuff so you have sort of like an economy built around yeah. the dungeon and it's just it was so exciting like you learn more about the dungeon and all like the problems that are happening and like more people come out from outside the world you learn more about the characters it's very cute it's very like you feel warm and fuzzy as as all this stuff happens so um yeah like i whoops Uh, i don't want to like spoil things uh we just saw our brother my brother uh yesterday he he constantly makes the jokes that i always spoil things and i like i accidentally do all the time so i don't want to give too much away but like i highly recommend it dungeon meshi or delicious in dungeon you can probably find it online or you could actually buy like the volumes to actually support them because i always love doing that too which i want to do um but please 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 go read it it is so good well that's all the time we have for today yeah um i don't know i don't think i'll have enough time to uh put in a song at the very end uh but that's okay because i'm very hungry um we actually did go get our food haha <laughs> editing um but yeah i really want to go eat and i also want to go buy 54 inventories of turnips because that's the insane plan that i have yeah so thank you to matt campbell for our music yeah matt honestly when you listen to this episode you you have to at least give dungeon meshi a try i know you'll love it it's the exact same kind of comedy you'll like i promise uh thanks to jill and everybody at trent radio i'm sorry i don't know who else to act- actively call out but i hope you're listening and you i hope this is okay uh and thanks for listening uh we'll catch you next week and we don't have a theme and we don't have enough time to prepare a theme so we love you bye, bye.